everyone. Four Winds in June, we're back here, and it's June. So, you know, like our title says, time of year. That's what it's all about, right? Uh, we want to first go over some news in the NBA. Then well, we got to introduce our special guest today. That's true. That's true. But yeah, returning. I, I, was just, I was just laying the lowdown. You yeah, know? we got returning guests. Just wait, just wait. I was just doing the lowdown. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna talk about. Just the NBA news. We'll talk about the the Celtics and Heat because that was a while ago, I guess. And then we'll talk about the finals with our special guest. We got Nuggets super fan Jack Anderson, who may have also been a Heat fan when he was a little kid, but that's besides the point. Um, But welcome, Jack. Welcome back. How dare you, Cor? I also, before we get in anything, I know probably going to step on a couple of things we're going to talk about. I just have to apologize to my nuggets right off the bat. Last time I came here, I was a pessimist. I was a doubter because I'm the type of NBA fan that doesn't I don't believe it till I see it. So, I doubted the Nuggets. I'm sorry. I have repented. I'm good now. I believe in the Nuggets. The series isn't over, but I like how the, what the Nuggets have done this year. So, I just had to I had to get that off my chest. Yep. I had to say that first. Were you, were you doubting it? I don't know. I just thought you were I, just skeptical. It wasn't doubt. It was just like, yeah, you haven't been in the finals before and you know, this could be the year kind of thing. The, the summary of my comments is that I didn't believe that we could win it if Steph Curry was still in the league, which I we didn't play Steph Curry, so maybe that point still stands. But yeah, I just – you got to win it first for me to believe it. So maybe I don't need to give an apology, but I just felt No, that. no. So there you no, go. There no, you go. Nothing to apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, let's talk about Chris Paul. You know, yes, we always sir. like to bag on him, and this is another <laughs> great opportunity. So yeah, the point God, right? The news kind of rippled through the NBA Twitter sphere yesterday that the Suns were planning to waive Chris Paul, not trade him necessarily. They're talking about maybe trading him, but if worst case comes to worst, they're going to waive one of the legends of the league. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I have a good idea. We pick up Chris Paul off waivers, and then we trade Jordan Poole to Aiton straight up. Could work. So you want Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiton on the Warriors? Yeah, if I can get... Chris Paul for the vet minimum. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Pull Aiden straight up. I, I mean, Aiden. I wouldn't want to touch Aiden with a 10 foot pole, hey, but that's but, just me. But Aiden doesn't have to rebound or defend. Looney does that. So you have Aiden come off the bench? Yeah. I guess. Maybe. I don't know. If anyone can turn Aiden <laughs> into an asset, I think it's Steve Kerr. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. But I don't know. I think he's just going to end up in one of the LA teams. Probably. Or. Maybe Dallas and LeBron's on the move. You know, Kyrie be recruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Shanghai. Or Shanghai. Shanghai or yeah. Taiwan with Dwight Howard. They've been expecting them. Yeah. <laughs> Although I saw that apparently Taiwan wants Dwight to take a pay cut. Apparently they want more incentives to make him try harder. Budget cuts. Yeah. <laughs> apparently Dwight wants to go to the Kings to help them win a championship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Dwight might be on the move. We'll see. We'll see. And other news... NBA Finals are here, and you can still trade, I guess. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Apparently, the Nuggets made a trade this morning, which I think is hilarious. That they, I mean, the Nuggets aren't scared, so they're out here wheeling and dealing, and getting some picks from the the Thunder, Thunder. Right? Yeah. So they're tapping into the Sam Presti treasure chest and getting some some picks in return for a 2029 first round pick. Which Corp, help me understand how that trade benefits the Thunder, because I don't see how. They basically just gave up three around late first round picks, early second round picks for like one future first, mm. and they have no idea. Yeah. I don't. I don't really get so, it. So, 
this all this whole trade re- resolves around the new CBA. It helps both teams in terms of the CBA because Sam Presti acquired all these picks under the old CBA and he's been chilling. But now he's got all these young players he's going to have to sign soon to big deals and he's not going to have enough roster spots for all these picks he has. He's not going to be able to pay all these first-round picks he has. And so he's trying to offload some of the later ones to other teams in exchange for future picks that maybe the Nuggets aren't even good in 2029. We don't know. That's a long time away. Yeah, but maybe even the Thunder aren't good. 2029 exactly. is so far away. It, it's it's a risk, but it's more valuable than like the Nuggets pick this year because that's what the 26th pick in the draft. Yeah, and so it's helping the Thunder get more valuable asset and move off some of these contracts that they probably just have to waive anyway at the draft because they just don't have enough roster spots. And then the Nuggets, on the other hand, they know they're going to have a very expensive team, and so team building is going to be very hard for them in the future. So they get a bunch of cheap first-round picks or cheap second-round picks that they can have more team control on these players that they can help build around Jokic and Jamal because it's going to be very hard to get already existing players onto the Nuggets in the new CBA. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. I, and I guess while we're talking about the draft, let's let's just go to some of the draft questions for yeah. this year. Um, what do you got, Corey? Yeah, so I know the number one pick is obviously Victor Webinyama. Um, whether you're a believer or a hater, it doesn't matter. Like the Spurs are taking Webinyama. Mm-hmm. Now, number two, we thought was going to be locked in Scoot Henderson, but with the uh, Charlotte Hornets getting the pick, it raises some questions. Like, what do you think, Jackie? He knows a lot about college basketball. I learned a lot from him. So, do you think Brandon Miller jumps Scoot Henderson for number two? Yeah, I mean, he might. I don't think he should. Um, I think it. I think the Hornets are are pretty skeptical on the fit with Lamelo and Scoot, which, like, I guess that kind of makes sense. But also, like, I don't know if Lamelo is like the guy you're going to build around a championship for. I think Scoot could be that that guy for any team. Um, I think this is a clear two person draft. I think after Wembayama and and Scoot, I think there's a pretty big drop off. I think Brandon Miller could be really good in the right mm-hmm. system. Um, I know he is like he was sick and so he lost a ton of weight and he hasn't been uh, interviewing super well and people are kind of already more down on him. So come draft day, it might just be one by Yaman Scoot and there's not even a question about it. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge Brandon Miller guy. Um, you know, he was he was fine in the tournament. He was a lot better in the regular season. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I would go Scoot too, and I would build I would build try and build a championship team around Scoot Henderson. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think Scoot's a more refined prospect. I think he's the most potential. But I do love Brandon Miller's shooting and size. So I think he's going to be a good player either way, but I'll probably go Scoot as well. Mm-hmm. And besides that, the top three, we don't really know. Like, the average yeah. you know, basketball fan doesn't really know who the other prospects are just because yeah. of when Bayana just gets all the hype. It's yeah. Kinda... And, like, and, I mean, Scoot was playing in G League Ignite, so, like, a lot of people haven't watched him. I mean, yeah. really, the only game that anyone watched was the game against Wembayama when he kind of took over in a lot of ways. He basically mm. said that, like, he wanted to make it the Scoot game and not the Wembayama game, which I like his attitude that way. Yeah. And he kind of had a more down G League year this year compared to last year. He was kind of nursing some injuries. I think he took it kind of chill. But, like, come game time in the NBA, I think, he, I think he's got so much talent potential. Yeah. I like his attitude and everything. Yeah, so obviously the draft lottery losers were the Rockets and the Pistons and looking into the top three at four and five. Who are the top prospects they're looking at? Like, who's the best fit outside the top three? Yeah, so it's super weird because I feel like outside of the top three, 
there's a bunch like I mean I think every website you look at has a different you know four through ten in a lot of ways I know a lot of people are high on the Thompson twins um, who have been playing for overtime elite I don't I'm not huge on them you know you go and look at their highlight tapes and like they're playing against like 16 year old Colorado kids Mm -hmm. which like I'm a Colorado kid but like the competition is not that great and they're kind of trying to come in and play in systems and in NBA systems and um, you know, the thing about the draft for me is I you can almost tell a bust more by what team they're going to than, like, how they performed previously. You know, I don't think the Kings just kept whiffing on guys. I just think the Kings had a really bad system for, like, so many years. Yeah. And they ruined Bagley and um, Harry Giles. Jimmer. And Jimmer. <laughs> yeah, throw him in there. Um, I mean, same thing with the Sixers. I think Jalil Okafor was a fantastic player out of college. I think the Sixers just didn't know how to develop him. So I'm looking at those Thompson twins falling to the Pistons and Rockets, and I'm like, that's a bad fit for them because they need a lot of developing, and I don't think the Rockets or Pistons have the systems in place to develop either of those kids. So that's that's what it comes down to for the draft for me. Um, There are a couple guys like Jairus Walker out of Houston who I think could come in and make an impact no matter where he goes. Houston boy goes to the Rockets, maybe. I think that would be a, I think that would be a good fit for him. And also, you know, he's the type of guy that can just try and get boards and be a defensive guy in a team where Kevin Porter Jr. and uh, Jalen Green are going to shoot like fifty shots a game. So, might be a good fit for him. I like Grady Dick. Um, I think like you know around the Jazz Mavericks pick. I think either of those would be a really good fit for him, just as a wing guy to some of those guards and bigs. So. Watch out if he goes to the Magic, though, because Jalen Suggs is on that team. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) um, That's a good point, Dana. That's a good point. So, yeah, so if you – obviously, there's the top guys everyone's talking about. Do you have a guy that's, like, maybe late first-round pick that your thing is, like, teams are sleeping on? Who would that guy be? Well, it – Another interesting thing about this draft is there are a lot of second-round guys who I actually really like. And, you know, it always – it's kind of hard. College success in a lot of ways, like, doesn't often mimic NBA success. You look at, I mean, Tyler – the Tyler Hansbros, the guys like that, who dominant college players then just didn't have the skill set and tools for Mm -hmm. the NBA game. That being said, though, I feel like there are a lot of really good college guys that have just dropped for one reason or another. I look at Marcus Sasser from Houston – like, I think his skill set's perfect to be an NBA 2, and he's all the way down in the second round. Julian Strother, the Gonzaga kid, I really like him. Um, you know, he, he needs to get some a couple better traits, but, like, I really like where his game at game is at and his um, attitude and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Clark was, like, the best defender in college basketball. I know he had an injury, but, like, he's way down in the second round. And then Adama Sanogo and Oscar Shibwe, two, like, undersized bigs, and so it's going to take a little bit of growing pains for them, but they were, like, dominant college players. Adama Sanogo was the best player in the tournament. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird draft. There are a lot of guys up top that I think did nothing in college, but a lot of people like their potential. And then there are a lot of guys late that I think prove themselves over and over again and are just going to barely make an NBA roster. Yeah. So. Now, it's interesting you talk about, like, the, the college stars. I mean, that translates. So I have to ask about... So when you have a little history with, if you don't know, Jack, Jack is the president of the Rock Board right now, mm-hmm. and he's had a lot of interaction with this certain player, Drew Timmy, out of Gonzaga. Yeah. Very famous college player. Uh, you love him or hate him, but 
He played pretty well in the tournament. Where do you think he ends up? I mean, I hope he goes late second round because mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Um, I don't think his game translates super yeah. well. I mean, he's just like he might he's be like learning Chinese. So. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna like, and he he'll like he'll be a good locker room guy. I would love to see him be good. Him and Jaime Jaquez both. I love those guys. Yeah. Those they were bucket getters in college. Like, I mean, they're gonna get absolutely slaughtered by some of these NBA bigs and stuff. So like. Love Drew Timmy. I hope that he finds a roster and maybe he could develop a three-point game and kind of be, uh, who knows. That'd be crazy. Translate to maybe more of a three. But um, as far as I see it right now, I don't think Timmy fits on an NBA yeah. team. That was the thing. He always just felt kind of small. Yeah. But he uses size really well, so maybe he can do something with it. Yeah, I think that's like the same thing, like why he, he took another year. And the same thing with Eddie, right, on yeah. Purdue. Yeah. It's taking another year. And it's true. It's just some some of the players that games don't translate. Yeah, and I mean I love the college game, but you watch the NBA game and you're yeah. like, this is way more fluid. And maybe I mean, like every guy needs to get maybe like ten years ago they would have, but yeah. like the game has changed because you yeah. know Steph. Yeah. Everyone's shooting now, and you want smaller, quicker players, and then Pretty big stiff. players that you know clog the paint. But yeah, you don't really have that post play anymore. Yeah. So. Rip. We'll see. <laughs> Good news for us. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, you have any other uh, hot takes about the draft before we move on, Jandy? Um, I think this is actually a sneaky good draft for foreign guys. There are like a lot of really good foreign guys. I know that Koulibaly guy who was playing with Wembayama. I think is not getting enough um, hype. I think that Rupert guy. Um, I think this might be an interesting draft, especially like late in the first round to just try and take a foreign guy and mm-hmm. see how it works out, especially for a team like Denver who can't keep a lot of other guys. I think a good another foreign guy in their in their system would be really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not super high on the college guys, and the college guys I am high on, I see the problems with. So maybe take a foreign guy. There's not as much tape on them, so you kind of just take a risk yeah. and see how you it works like out. Look on a Giannis type of player. Yeah, Giannis yeah. or Jokic. Or, I mean, half yeah. these guys I feel like came yeah. in and no one knew who they were, and all of a sudden they're yeah. 30, 20, 10 guys. The, the game's game evolving around the world, so yeah. it's not Thanks. crazy anymore. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, that draft info. It's, it certainly uh, informed me more. Anytime. I don't really NBA pay attention to that stuff. But, uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to keep in touch for the draft that's coming up soon after the finals. But um, in other news, we still have some coaches that are on the move, coaches that don't have jobs. Let's first start with uh, Frank Vogel to the Suns. Yeah, this one pained me because – I honestly thought he was going to come to the Celtics and be an assistant for Joe Mazzulla. It was reported for a little bit, and I was super hyped because I, I'm a big fan of Frank Vogel. But I think it's a good pickup for the Suns because I think the Suns have such a great offense in KD and Booker that all they need is someone with a great defensive mind, and they got a really good one in Frank Vogel. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in the past, I, I haven't really been impressed with Vogel just because of the teams he's had. And then, you know, like if you have LeBron and AD and they're healthy, you're you probably have a good chance of winning. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll see what happens with them. If he, he coached a star before, he's coaching a star with KD and Booker, so we'll see. Yeah. And then next one is Monty Williams. This is a big one. He gets a 12-year deal. Or the Pistons. $12 million 12, a year. $12 million For like <laughs> seven years, Yeah, insane money. And he's on Pistons, right? Yeah. yeah. He's the third, like the third highest payroll on the roster. Yeah, he's the coach. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't. I don't. 
<laughs> I don't know how that's going to help the Pistons like, out. But I guess Monty Williams didn't get the job he wanted, and then he, the Pistons threw him a bag, and he said, sure, why not? I'll go live in Detroit for $12 million a year. Yeah, I guess like, so. That's crazy. Have a summer house in L.A. Or yeah. <laughs> so the big names, though, is Bud and Doc. Both are still jobless, and there's only one head coaching job open. It's in Toronto, which is a pretty, I would say, unfavorable job. You got a lot of expiring contracts. They, they're kind of just the definition of mid. Mm-hmm. So do you think the Raptors take a, a shot on Butter Docker? Do you think they're just jobless? This is a hot, yeah, hot take. I don't think they get, get the job. I think, you know, they've proven themselves that, I mean, at least Doc has that he can't really win. He's the biggest choke artist, like blown, blown three, three, one leads in the playoffs. No one has ever done that except for him. And then Bud, like, I don't know. You just, he won, right? Yeah. With the Bucks. But then after that, it's like, you, you just question his moves every game. It's like, what are you doing? Why didn't you call a timeout when they had one more second in the heat game where it could have advanced the ball? Yeah. It's like, there's just a lot of confusion there. And the Bucks fired him. And yeah, I don't think, I think he, both of them go as assistants. Yeah, I was gonna ask is like, do you think they swallow their pride and become an assistant? Because you know we saw Mike D'Antoni do that on the Nets staff. We saw Kenny Atkinson, who's a really good coach for the Nets, take the assistant yeah. role in Golden State and actually turn down the Charlotte job to stay an assistant. Mike Brown too. Mike Brown, yeah, but I don't know if he's offered any jobs. Well, he was coached before. Yeah, so like these really good coaches sometimes take an assistant role. Yeah, but we'll see what happens there. I think Doc should become the third co-host of the Fort Winston June podcast. Hey, you heard it here, Doc. <laughs> Come on. We'd have to have some water on here for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. No, but I think I, I think Doc is done coaching, at least for a little while. Yeah. His son, Austin, has a podcast. Maybe he just goes and oh, yeah. does a podcast with him. I'm pretty sure his daughter also. Did they do a podcast together or something? Is that the daughter married to Seth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm not sure if she does or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Anyways, Reeves Family Podcast. That's I'm that's what I'm calling. I don't Reeves. think he coaches. Really? Yeah. All right. Anyways, enough talking about coaching jobs. We're gonna because we've been gone for a while. We've been traveling. Uh, we wanted to talk about Celtics Heat Game Seven for a little bit, just to let me get off my chest. Um, obviously it was brutal seeing Jason Tatum roll his ankle first play of the game, but like it it, it happens. Injuries happen. I'm not gonna use that excuse. Jalen Brown forgot to dribble with his left hand, which is brutal. Um, but it just, I don't know how. But like you said, you can't it. forget if you never learned. Exactly. It's the same thing <laughs> happened in the Warriors series last year. Like, it's just frustrating because I don't know how you lay an egg so bad when the atmosphere is so electric an hour before a tip-off. Like, you got Paul Pierce there hyping up the crowd. They were going crazy. And then you come out and just have no energy. It just makes no sense to me. It's the yips, man. It's game seven. You know, you, yeah. it's the big lights. People are watching. It, you know, it treats players differently. Some people don't step up. And, you know, Jimmy's been there a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because there was so many, like so much 2004 Boston Red Sox talk around the <laughs> whole thing. Because they've I mean, the only team in baseball history that's come back from 3-0. Everyone's like, oh, this is the Red Sox part two. And then they go and lay the ultimate egg in Game Seven. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, Corey. I should, no, I should it's think okay. it's that funny, but it was. It's okay. I've had some time to poetic. Heal, so, <laughs> but I think the most frustrating part of all of this is that because we lost Game Seven, the Derek White game winner is going to go lost in history yeah. forever. No one's going to remember that. 
And that was one of the greatest plays of all time, in my opinion. Back against the wall, down one, Derek White made an amazing play, and no one's going to talk about it. Yeah, that's true. So they didn't get it done. They ruined it for my boy Derek. Just it, yeah. Don't let him win one. <laughs> there, Celtics and nine. There's always next year. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think? Because the series is over, what do you think the future is for the Celtics? I know you've said some trades. You want to get rid yeah. of Brown, get I, pick. I go back and forth whether I want to trade Brown or not, because obviously in the new CBA, it's it's confusing. It's it'll be really hard if we keep Jalen Brown because him and Jason Tatum would take up seventy percent of our cap room, which is a lot of money. And it, the CBA really punishes teams for keeping players like that around. So <clears throat> I go back and forth, but I think ultimately the best. Tr- course of action is to to keep them both and build around them and just find value players on the outside um so if we can find those value players i think having two of the best players in the league is a good thing to have but there's gonna be a lot of questions i think malcolm brogdon probably gets traded this offseason i think his money is just too much to have on the roster um payton pritchard wants to get leaves so i think he gets traded at some point probably for a couple second round picks and then I think Grant Williams is the biggest question. I want to keep Grant Williams around. I think he's very valuable. I, we saw him guard Embiid. We've seen him guard Giannis in the playoffs before. Poke the like, bear. Yeah. He's the type of guy who, like, you need for energy. Um, so I, I and you can get him Celtics. on a steal of a deal. Yeah, hopefully right. he can. Because he, he bet a, on himself. and He had a pretty <laughs> poor year. So hopefully we can keep him around and not lose him for nothing. But – the Celtics organization, Brad Stevens, will have a lot of questions to answer. Core question for you, as a as a Celtics fan, yeah. are there any teams in the East that you're looking at, and over the next couple of years, you're like like they're coming up? Because oh. I mean, you you guys have been the kings of the East in a lot of ways mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. I mean, I just I don't feel like a drastic move is necessary. No. I mean, the Sixers are like collapsing. Who knows? He even knows who's gonna no. be on that squad next year. The Bucks, I feel like. I mean, the Bucks could probably get back, but they yeah. they definitely look like they didn't have it this year. The Heat are a fluke. I mean, yeah. I think the East is wide open, and if the yeah. Celtics also sell and try and do something else, they might just make it even more wide open yeah. for someone else. That's the thing is, like, all the top teams I'm not really scared of. Like, I still believe if we faced the Bucks in the playoffs this year instead of the Heat, we would have won because we yeah. match up really well against the Bucks. Um, but, honestly, the only team in the East that I'm looking at I'm kind of scared of is, to be honest, the Magic. The Magic are a really scary team, bro. They got a really good young core. But I mean, they're like how many? Years <laughs> they're a couple out? years away, but like, uh, they're they got a good thing they're building down there in Orlando. Dayton's laughing right now. If you lose to the Magic with, <laughs> hey, with Brown and Tatum, years. that's you. Yeah. I mean, if the Celtics are still relevant by the time Paolo is running the league, then that hey. that would be a pretty good pretty good run for the Celtics. Hey, keep sleeping and if on they the haven't Magic won, though. if they haven't won by then, then it's not a good run. Yeah, then it's been a pretty poor, that's, that's been disappointing. I will be sleeping on the Magic until, <laughs> I, the until Magic they make the next year will be the Kings. No. Oh, no. no, no, no. It's too early for them. Well, I guess, I, sorry, I guess they could be because the East sucks, so. Bingo. I, I mean, the Magic next year could maybe be like the Thunder this year. Like, be kind yeah, of, be kind of fun in a play-in game. Yeah, same I'd say the next five, five years is going to be a West team that wins the finals. No, yeah. I mean, the Celtics are the only, one, and maybe the Bucks if the Bucks can put the pieces. The next together. five years, yeah. But like, so I think there's gonna be a lot of roster. Denver's going to be good. The Warriors will still be good. 
like who knows with the Spurs. Yeah. When Bayana, I think a couple of years. Because of the new CBA, yeah. we're going to see a lot of movement. Yeah. And so I think it's you, – you never know what's going to happen. This is such a funny conversation too because literally at the All-Star break, it was like the East is stacked and the Nuggets are just like flying by in the West. Yeah. You were like the Nets are filthy with KD and Kyrie, the Cavs, the Celtics, the Bucks, and now it's like – Fool's gold. I mean, can the Heat run it back with a bunch of undrafted guys in the East? Like, that's the question. Right, who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? You never know. Anyway, let's let's get to the finals. What yep. We're here to talk about Nuggets just came off of a big win, stealing back home court advantage with a triple-double from Jokic. He had 30, 20, and 10. And then after the game, I didn't really know, but Jamal had a triple-double too. Mm-hmm. Last last shot of the game, he got his rebound. That was yep. huge. Yeah, this is on game three was honestly one of the most dominant performances I've seen. Like to have two teammates drop thirty point triple doubles and shoot fifty percent or better. Yeah. Like everyone loves throwing around the LeBron Kyrie forty point games in the finals together, well, but like, sorry, I think this might be better. No, 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 no. Thirty point triple doubles. Just their backs against the wall. Three one to go into. Yeah, that would be yeah. that is the greatest performance from a duo in history, like in history. And that was against the Warriors. Yeah, and this is against the Heat. Thirty, thirty, sure. or seventy-three and nine. Like, yeah, and I was there. I watched it. <laughs> yeah, but from pure stat lines, like that's insane. Yes, stat line, yeah. yes, but like just the whole situation, like no, it's it's crazy. That wasn't a must-win for the Nuggets. Like they could have lost, and they. Should, you know. Oh man, you don't want to go down to the Heat. Go down the Heat's a bad thing. Uh, down 3-0. Yeah, that's true. But, <laughs> but anyway. I don't think I'm worried about going down 3-0 to Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think the what the problem with the Heat is that they need to shoot well to be in games. And when they don't shoot well, they're not winning. And that's been the problem with them through the regular season. And the postseason, they have been able to get through it with you know big performances from their bench players. But that, w- that was the talk going into the series is, okay, you have Jimmy Butler and I guess Bam is pretty good, and then Jokic and Murray, and then it's the role players. Like, who's going to step up? And so far, like, throughout the series, it's been the Nuggets role players that have stepped up. They kind of laid the egg in game two, but they didn't look like in game two that they were under a lot of pressure. Um, well, I guess in game two they were more under pressure because the, the Heat were hitting shots. But in the other games, they weren't because the Heat were missing. And so when you don't play with pressure, you kind of just roll through and kind of ease on through. And the turnovers kind of, you know, spike up. Like Denver had more turnovers, but they still have, you know, great performances from Jokic and Murray, and that's how they win. Yeah. So. It, it's funny. I though Every time I'm watching the Heat in this series, I'm like – I bet Cord is so mad because, like, literally, what Caleb Martin had like ten last game. He got them all in like garbage time, and he was like zero and three in his first two. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Max Truce had a really good game too, but laid eggs in one and three. And Gabe Vincent, I think, had a good two of the games. I think is pretty good, but then he also laid an egg. Like these guys are playing more like undrafted, kind of out of nowhere guys. And like, yeah, they're high quality players, but like all those guys were unconscious in the. Um, Celtic series. Yeah. And it's just like funny that these guys have like came down to earth. And like for the Heat to really win, like they need Struce to be hitting shots and they need Vincent to be hitting shots and they need Caleb Martin to be hitting shots. And like those just like aren't like the players that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like undrafted guys. Or they need Butler to score 50. 
Which he, yeah, he I just had, don't think that's what he is. He hasn't done that. Yeah. yeah. So it's first round, right? So I will say I have been really impressed with Bam because the whole, leading up to this series, it was like Bam Jokic talk, and I thought that was so unfair to Bam because like Bam is like not on that level. Yeah. Like he was just gonna get humiliated, but he's actually like the way he's set up and kind of like orchestrated the offense in a lot of ways for the Heat. I think has been really good. I think he's gotten a lot of rebounds on Jokic. I mean, he's still getting out-rebounded, but he's, like, holding his ground. There were times in that Lakers series where I, I thought AD, like, wasn't even going for rebounds against yeah. Jokic. So, like that put-back dunk? That was pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was at a big time, too. So, Yeah, it's uh, frustrating, of course, to see the role players shoot poorly. But <clears throat> it is the game we play. Sometimes you get hot, sometimes you get cold. So you can't use that as an excuse either. Um, but I really enjoy watching the Nuggets play, but I especially love what Coach Malone is saying after the games. I feel like he's just proving me right that when I say he's one of the, the top three coaches in the league right now, probably. He's on the level of Spo and Pop. Like, he is... And Kerr. Kerr, yeah, <laughs> sure, I'll give it to you. Um, but I just think he's saying the right things. He's After wins, he's not too high. After lo- with losses, he's not too low. Like, he's just doing a fantastic job. I've been really impressed with Mike Malone. No, yeah, I have too. And he's a great coach. So is Spolstra. We're we're watching two great teams. They're not mm-hmm. they're, you know, not here for, you know, by accident. So, great teams. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Christian Brown Brown real quick. Uh, like we said, the role players and he stepped up for you know one of the role players that wasn't really doing good. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, he really stepped up. Michael Malone gave him a chance and he he came through. It was really big for them. Yeah. Yeah, Christian Brown has, like, embodied so many things of what I've loved about this Nuggets team this year. And, like, the culture that they've established basically since Jokic and and Malone and and Murray kind of started forming this dynasty. Mm -hmm. Because I love – I can't remember if it was after the Lakers series or something, but they asked Christian Brown about being ready or something like that, and he – was like I'm just I just want to maximize like the time that I have in the game. And so that I want to make the biggest impact in my time in the game. And his his attitude was like the complete opposite of what I saw from Jonathan Kuminga in that Lakers series where Kuminga was like, "Oh, it's hard to stay locked in if I don't even know if I'm going to get playing time." I'm like, "You're Jonathan Kuminga. You have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson on your team. You if you sniff the floor, fine. If you don't, like be ready to play." And Christian Brown is the complete opposite of that. Um, I also think back to Bones Highland, who we traded for a bag of chips at the trade deadline because he didn't want to buy into the Nugget system. He wanted legitimate playing time. He wanted, like, plays run for him, I feel like. And the Nuggets said, like, we're not going to let a bad apple, like, kill our chemistry going into this um, playoff run. So got rid of him. Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, they absolutely know their role. Jeff Green, they know their roles, and they execute them to perfection. Mm-hmm. And, like... Yeah, I mean, Jokic is, like, an absolute wizard with the ball. But these guys are making good cuts, playing good defense. I mean, Christian Brown was guarding Jimmy, like, just straight up the whole Mm -hmm. time he was out there. Yeah. And causing problems, you know, getting into the game. And so I I, I love it. I've been so impressed with Christian Brown just because a year ago, think about where he was at. He was winning a national championship with Kansas. Yeah. Like, for most people, that's the high of your life. Like, that's the moment you tell your kids about. And for him to go from that high to enter the draft, to get drafted to one of the best teams in the league, 
to become a role player, to maybe not get minutes, to become that humble is crazy. Like the maturity on Christian Brown to be able to have that transition is insane. I've been so impressed with him. Well, and the crazy thing is too, like he was, he wasn't the best player on that Kansas team. No. Ochai Baji was definitely like the star of that Kansas team. And he was like, honestly, more of like a role player, like wing guy. And so the fact that he even like went in the first round, I mean, obviously he has a lot of wing potential, but I think the Nuggets just really liked, like we don't need a star right now. Mm-hmm. Like we need a good role player wing that can like just do the stuff that Jokic and, and Jamal need them need him to do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that Kansas run was a perfect representation of how he has been straight in the NBA when he's gotten here. Yeah, yeah, he'll be in the league for a long time if he keeps this up. Um, that those type of players are invaluable. So yeah, um, but going ahead tonight, it's a huge game. Usually when you're up three one, you win. So. What do you think the Nuggets have to do? What do you think the Nuggets have to do to win this game? Yeah. Um, well, so the thing I'm I'm terrified of this Heat team. Actually, I'm terrified of Spolstra. I know, as we speak, he's like in his evil like Dexter's laboratory, just absolutely cooking up something to like try and frustrate. He has frustrated Jokic in game two. I know Jokic still had a phenomenal game, but he like frustrated our offense more than I've seen anyone frustrate our offense in like the last three years mm-hmm. so Spolstra is obviously a wizard and he's gonna do something I honestly like this series is far from over um but I think you know the the Nuggets just need to be ready they need to I mean I don't know just see what see what the see what Spolstra is picking up and then just try and counter that as quick as they can which is what they did a lot in game three I mean I think Spolster countered, and then Malone countered, and then we were able to get on a run, and we need to close out the fourth. I mean, the fourth is like has been the biggest quarter all series, and yeah. we've almost blown all three fourth quarters. I mean, we I think we've been outscored in all three fourth quarters, and that last fourth quarter, I was like, are we really about to blow this game? And then obviously, Spolster kind of took his guys out, but we got to finish strong. And then you just gotta you just gotta play through Jokic. I mean, they keep saying that if Jokic gets forty, then the Nuggets are gonna lose. He's gotta pass the ball more. But I mean, Jokic makes the right decision every single time he steps on the court. So yeah, for sure. I love how you bring up the fourth quarter because that's kind of been like the Heat motto, like the whole playoffs is they kind of play their food in the first three quarters and then they win fourth quarters almost yeah. every time. Like the Milwaukee series, Giannis got up to like fourteen point lead in the third quarter, like consistently, and they blew it in the fourth quarter almost every time. Yeah. It's, like, insane how, like, well, it's the coaching, right? It's Mm -hmm. Spo. Like, they're able to lock in and not give up on the fourth quarter because they know a 20-point lead nowadays because of Steph Curry shooting, three-point shooting, like, that can be erased in five minutes. And so, like, they're able to lock in and see the forest through the trees and be able to understand, like, hey, this game's out of reach. Let's go get it. And they're able to consistently do it in the fourth quarter, which is really impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, like, you know, game fives are really important or game twos or whatever it was where, like, the stats were if you win this game, it's really important. But I think the most important game is, like, game four. Because, like, mm-hmm. if you win, one team's either up 3-1 or if you lose, you're tied. So it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of a big deal. Like, Especially game you- game five is big because you could be tied and then, you know, win that one, be up, right? Yeah. Or you could be down three one and win it but it's like yeah like game four is in my opinion are the most important yeah especially like if you're the heat 
and you're at home right now and mm-hmm. you lose this and you're going to Denver, that's a very hard turnaround to do. Yeah. Like it's almost a must win for the Heat. For sure. Yeah. I agree. So, so we'll see that ahead tonight at six thirty mountain time, right? Yeah. So great timing. Eastern. You gotta stay up late on the East Coast. Kind of brutal, but it is what it is. Perfect timing. So we'll see. It should be a good one. Like like Jack says, far from over. Yeah. And I, sorry. Yo, you're good. Real quick, one more thing. I feel like, I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of Jimmy Butler. But, like, I have to give, like, a huge shout-out to, like, this Heat team and just, like, what they've done. Um, because they are kind of, like, you know, I, I, I thought of this comparison the other day. I don't know how big of baseball fans you guys are. But the 2014- 15 Kansas City Royals. They won in 2015 and they lost the World Series in 2014. They Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dayton's huge Kansas City Royals guy. No. Um, they Oh, the Gi- Giants. The Giants. There you go. They there lost you go. in 14. Yeah. Big big Giants guys. Um, but the Royals played a really fun brand of baseball and it was small ball and they were bunting and sacrifice flying and they were making plays in the outfield and people thought that like this was going to be the great resurrection of like small ball baseball and they were going to go back instead of just hitting bombs and stuff like that that's how i kind of feel about this heat team you know they're they're playing zone like teams stop playing zone in like high school at this point and all everyone's playing man to man they're playing zone they're confusing teams their ball movement is, is insane i mean we've been talking about the heat shooting and how they've got to cool off but like they're getting really open looks and like, I mean, this the Heat are playing a really fun brand of basketball, and they're extremely well coached. And after years of like best player wins, you know, if you have Giannis, like Giannis is just gonna overpower you. Like if you have Steph, he's just gonna hit enough shots to beat you. And the Steph have a, or and the Warriors have an incredible offense also. But all these years of just like get your stars and then just let them just win you the game. This is the Heat team are doing the opposite of that. Jimmy Butler isn't the type of player to just win you games. But the Heat offense and the Heat defense and the system that they put in have just, like, kind of brought back, like, the team essence and, you know, just the fundamentals of basketball, which I really appreciate. For sure, yeah, they're very unselfish. But I'd say the same thing about the Nuggets, too. That's true, yeah. Like, it's the best team that wins, right? Yeah. You can't just get stars anymore and – build around them like that that's totally true for you know the lakers like the warriors this year like they had their stars but they didn't have a great bench yeah and that's you know it's all about team so they've built great teams especially like you said the heat just with all the drafted players but for sure and i do have to give a shout out to Corey. he did tell me that at the sun's trade that the suns did not that they needed more of a team, and I said, "No, this yep. is a stars league. You can win with the Suns." And I told you, look at, yeah, look at him did, now. He did say that. Two teams, teams in the NBA Finals. Yes, sir. Facts. So that's gonna the wrap it up, but we'll finish with uh, the bets. I I kind of forget who won last, but you did. Oh, I did. Yeah. So I get to pick. Well, the Nuggets are favored at three and a half at the Heat, and we've kind of said this all season. You can't bet against the Nuggets. Yeah, it's kind of become our motto. Yeah, don't bet against the Nuggets. <laughs> so we'll, I'll take the Nuggets there. <laughs> there, there we go. Three one Nuggets and five. I said it before. Yep. I still think so. Shout out to all those kids. I worked at basketball camp this week, so my voice sounds a little weird. But uh, shout out to those kids who are hounding me about the Heat winning the series. Nuggets and five. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah. So 
I think we're all we're on the Nuggets bandwagon, except for Jack. He's been a long fan. But <laughs> yeah. hey, we we don't we're not really bandwagons because we have some ties yeah, we there. We lived there for two years. For two like, years. So yeah, we we have some connections. Yeah, yeah. So I accept you. Yes. Accept us. <laughs> also. When the Warriors aren't playing. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm taking what I, I don't even know what the over is. I'm taking the over on MPJ points tonight. Huge MPJ game tonight. Right. Everyone's hating on MPJ. They're gonna get him involved. Huge MPJ game. Okay, you heard it here. So I did it. MPJ go off. So we'll look forward to that game tonight and we'll be back with it next week on Four Wins in June. See you guys.